Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and follow along while I read beginning in verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In the previous episodes where we've dealt with Ephesians, we've talked about this idea of God having a plan from the foundations of the world, how God had enacted this plan and was carrying it out, and that this plan had reached a climax in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because after his resurrection, Jesus had been seated on a throne in heaven at the right hand of God. And as we read in this passage, everything has been put in subjection to him. But as we continue reading into chapter 2, Paul's setting up a contrast. He starts talking about uh, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is work in the sons of disobedience. And so there's this contrast at work. Because of it, some people have even said, Jesus isn't king now, this prince is in charge, and Jesus is going to be king sometime later. That doesn't seem to be exactly what Paul is saying here. Paul has been making the point in chapter 1 that God's plan is in effect, and it is perfect, and it is being completed just as he designed it. But as chapter 2 starts off, he lets us know that not everyone is experiencing that. Not everyone is seeing that. That's because much of the world is in active rebellion. Most of the world is doing things according to their own mind and their own desires and their own thinking and, and following a different kind of spirit than the one that God promises his believers, the Holy Spirit that we talked about in our last episode. 
these people who are rebelling against God and God's plan are actually bowing down to a different king. And Paul calls it the ruler of the powers of the air. This phrase seems to convey that the power at work is not confined by any physical borders. It's something that is in the air, so to speak. It's not confined to a particular region. He could be talking in general about the wicked hearts of men, uh, or he could be talking about Satan himself. But either way, he goes on to describe how that's playing itself out. Rather than following God and his plan, following the Messiah Jesus as king, they were living in the passions of their flesh and carrying out the desires of their own bodies and minds, which was having the natural effect of destroying them. Paul even said that those people he was writing to used to be in that condition, used to be following that spirit rather than the Holy Spirit that they were given when they believed the good news. What Paul is doing here is setting up a contrast between those who accept the reign of God from heaven through Jesus and those who are stuck in this world and following the course of events within this world, giving in to their own physical desires. Paul says that people's behavior is being directed by one of two forces— either the heavenly force from God, the Holy Spirit, or a worldly force, this spirit that was at work in the sons of disobedience. One led to obedience in God, one led to disobedience. Paul, writing to another church in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are a slave to the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. In Romans, he says it very succinctly and directly. Here in chapter 2 of Ephesians, he's making the same point. We will either be a slave to our own passions and desires, or we'll be a slave to God. Jesus himself says, we cannot serve two masters. According to Paul, the foolish thing is following that spirit that's at work in the world rather than following the spirit that's at work in heaven, because everything has been put under the feet of Jesus. He has been given authority over everything. He is in absolute control. So to serve another spirit or another prince rather than Jesus as king, sets us up for disappointment and destruction. The passage says that all things are subject to Christ. When we look around and we don't see everyone obeying Jesus, we sometimes think, well, maybe Jesus isn't in control yet. Maybe he's not king yet. But Paul's point is that we are all subject to his judgment, even if we're not in submission to his will. Just because we don't obey him doesn't mean that he is not the judge and Lord over us. It would be similar to me driving down the interstate and choosing not to obey the speed limit. Just because I'm speeding and I'm not pulled over immediately doesn't mean that the state doesn't have authority to write me a ticket or punish me in some way if they do stop me. 
as Jesus is Lord over his kingdom, and people are choosing to be a part of that kingdom and living in that kingdom, there are others who will not submit to the will of that king. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't king. It means that there are disobedient people under the absolute authority of Jesus, and Jesus will be the one who passes judgment on them. All things being subject to Jesus also means that he is the one who sets the standard. He is the one that decides what's acceptable and what's not, what is approved and what isn't. He is the one who decides who is a part of this kingdom and who will miss out on eternity with him when the kingdom finds its fullness, when it is purged of all evil. So as we come to Christ and want to be a part of his kingdom, we have to do it on his terms. We can't live the life we want to live and ask him to be okay with that. We submit ourselves wholly to him because he is Lord of our life, king of his domain. All things being subject to Christ also means that he has the final word. Scripture is full of places that let us know that Jesus will decide who belongs to him and who doesn't, and God will accept that judgment. He will accept that final word, and he will rescue out of this world those who are in Christ. Jesus makes that decision. Because his decision is final, he is the one with the absolute authority, even when people aren't submitting to that authority. Paul is saying here, especially when we compare it to other things he's written to other churches, is that we all have the opportunity to live in the kingdom of the Messiah. Just some of us have chosen not to. Some of us are rescued out of that worldly mindset and out of the course of this present world. And we have that opportunity because God is gracious. We are saved by grace. We are rescued because God has done us a favor. He put Jesus on a throne as king and gave him authority over us in a way that rescues us. And that was God's favor to us. Now, the interesting thing is that there is a discussion after Paul says that we are saved by grace that talks about the way we behave, the way we act. Paul says it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It was a gift of God, not a result of works, the things you were doing, so that no one could boast. And then he goes on to say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul says in one verse that what we do, what we've accomplished, didn't contribute to the favor that God gave us. But in the next verse, he says, we were created to do good things, to do good works, and we should walk in them. So what is Paul getting at? Do the things we do matter or do they not? Paul makes the point that we do good things because that is what we were made to do. That's what we were designed for. That is what our Creator equipped us to be able to do. But we were unable to do that effectively and efficiently because of the sin in our lives and because of 
all of the problems that had compounded themselves in the history of mankind since Adam and Eve left Eden. Paul is letting us know that to be touched by God's grace enables us to fulfill those purposes. We weren't able to do the good works that God wanted us to do. We were able to do things that look good, but they weren't earning us anything. They weren't getting us out of trouble. Very often they were getting us into more trouble because of our motivation, because of the way we were going about it. But when God did us the favor of making Jesus our king, and not only our ruler, but also our example, he let us know what it looked like when we had faith, when we trusted him enough to do what he said. And because we had been touched by that grace, we're able to now fulfill our purposes. And when we can look at our lives and seeing those purposes of God being brought to fulfillment in our lives, it's evident that Jesus is our King. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.